Good morning, saints. I surprised some of you. Hey, we're welcoming Amp Blend, Roan County, down in Bearden. Good morning to y'all. Um, I, I, I hate saying that. I'm gonna lie. I lie. just I, it sounds so religious, doesn't it? Saints. Wow. I don't know that I see myself that way, but we learned last week as we kicked off a series here in this letter to the church that was in Ephesus that that's everyone who's in Christ. If we are, have new life in Christ, we are saints. We are people set apart for God's purposes. That's the definition of a saint, a holy one. I, no, I really don't like that, right? A holy one. That's who we are. That's our identity in Christ. This series we, we're calling Clean Slate, our new identity in Christ, and we work our way through this letter. And last week, we started with the question, like, why does our identity matter? Why is that so important? And we talked about how identity impacts how we think, and that impacts how we act. That impacts the decisions that we make. It's, it's going to change the way we live. How we view ourselves changes the way we live. And the world says that you get to define who we are, but we drew a distinction. That's the world's version of identity. As followers of Jesus, we, we ascribe to what God says about us, and he says that we are saints. We learned this big idea that I'm a saint set apart for God's purpose. We got to buy into that. We talked out of the gate. The rest of this letter isn't going to make any sense if you don't buy in that you're a person set apart for God's purpose, that you are a saint set apart for God's purpose. So this was the opening to this letter. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And from here, Paul launches into what is the longest sentence in ancient Greek language that, that scholars have found. It's a marathon of a sentence. In fact, from, from verse 3 all the way through verse 14 is one marathon sentence in the original manuscripts. Uh, even in a, in a Greek New Testament, they break it into a couple different sentences. In your Bible, they, they may have even broken it in, into um, multiple sentences. And if you're using the, the ESV, if you're using the journal, if you're using the English Standard Version, they broke it into two paragraphs. One major sentence. And why do I tell you that? Why do I tell you like, hey, this is one major sentence. It's not so you'd be like, oh, wow, you, you, you looked in the original languages. No, it's so you would know that one sentence communicates what? One theme. There is one theme for these two paragraphs. Uh, th uh, verse 3 through verse 14 is communicating one big idea. And this is what we landed on. That, that God has given us our new identity in Christ so we would praise him forever. That's the theme that we're going to see emerges is that we would be a people who praise God forever. You could say that this is an opening praise statement. That's what this is. As Paul begins to write to these followers of Christ who are living in the region around Ephesus, which is in modern day Turkey, as he's writing to them and encouraging them in following Christ, he, he begins with this incredible statement marathon statement pointing them to, to all the reasons that they have to praise God. 
If our identity is in Christ, that means that, that I am a new creation in Christ, and I've been chosen by God to be a person who would praise him forever. In verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This, this opening to this marathon sentence, this, this opening sets the theme right out of the gate. And, and here's the principle for us. Praise God who has given us everything in Christ. Last week we talked about like, like everything that we have in our identity is formed around this idea that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. We are, we are connected to Jesus. And and God has given us everything in Christ. Now, when it begins with this word, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I, I get what, it's, what it means to bless another human being. I kind of understand that. We've, we've talked over, over the course of the last year a lot about blessing, what it means to, to experience the fullness of, of God, what it means to experience right relationship with God, what it means to experience the God who made us to be in right relationship with him, to live at peace and harmony in the security of a right relationship with God, to be blessed by God. But what does it mean for us to bless God? That doesn't even seem possible to me. Well, it's important that we would understand that, that when we're talking about blessing God, it means to praise God. In fact, if you're using a different translation of the Bible, it may begin right there with this idea that may say, praise God. It may say it just right there. Because when we talk about blessing God, we're talking about as human beings, our job is to praise God. It means to speak well of God, to be a people who speak well of God, who, who don't just sing songs of worship, to sing songs of praise. No, like we speak well of God. Our lives speak well of God. We live lives that praise God. That's why he called you into relationship. He called you into relationship so that you would be a person who praises God forever. And then it says that he's blessed us in Christ. We've been, been joined together with Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The blessings that we experience are said to be spiritual because they come by the means of the Holy Spirit. That we are now the people that the prophet Ezekiel wrote about. That, that the, the people who have new life in Christ are now a new people. Ezekiel wrote this in chapter 36 of Ezekiel. It says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put in my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's our story. We're, we're living that out. Now, now when we read Old Testament texts, I, I say this all the time because it's really, really important. When you hear words like law, it's important that you would translate in your mind because we think of law as bad. Well, I, I like the law when, when it protects me, but as far as like following the rules, I don't really want to follow the rules. In fact, in evangelicalism, in Christendom, we're, we're like, oh yeah, it's not about the rules. It's about relationships. Who came up with that crazy statement? That guy, that's not in the Bible. 
It's about relationship and following the rules. It is all about relationship. And how do we demonstrate that we're in relationship with God? You know what Jesus says? You do what I say. That we cannot separate out doing what God says from relationship because we're not in right relationship with God if we don't do what he says. So yeah, is it, is it about religion? Yeah, it really is. What does that mean? It just means following the instruction of God, actually doing what he says. That's, that's what it means to live in right relationship with God. That's what it means to be somebody who blesses God. That's what it means to be somebody who's indwelt by the spirit of God. How does the world know? We do what he says. We do what God says. Here's what we're going to see that's really important, that, that everything we are and have been given is only in Christ. Everything. Everything that we are and have been given is only in Christ. The, the, the theological term is we are in union with Christ. We've been joined together forever in Christ. We are connected in Christ. And that means there's only one logical response, that we would be a people who join together in praise. Picking up in verse 4, it says, Even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Here we see that God has chosen us to be his people. What do we have in Christ? We've been chosen by God to be his people. Now, there's a lot here. In fact, there's so much here, we're not gonna be able to cover everything that's here. And we're gonna ask you to focus on the, the big picture here a little bit. When Paul talks about the reason why God has saved us and, and called us to himself, he's explicitly saying that it's not because of anything that you've done. That it was simply a, a decision that God made. That, that to carry on the, the promise that, that God made to Abraham. You'll have to remember way back to last year. And remember that the, in, in Genesis chapter 12, that God made a promise to Abraham. To, that, that through him, that what would happen? That through Abraham, that, that all the nations of the world would be blessed. That all the people on the face of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. And why did God choose Abraham? Because. Because. That's the, that's the great theological truth. Because. What was, what was so unique about Abraham? Why, like, was it, he obviously had a lot of faith. Nope. Because. God chose him. And here, why is it that God chose you? Why is it that God chose you to open your eyes to the truth, to allow you to come into relationship with him? Is it because you're a really good person? Is it because, man, I, I kind of deserved it a little bit? And the answer to that is no. It's just because, because. When writing to Timothy, um, Paul wrote this, 
that, that God is the one who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And Peter writes with confidence that, that we have a new life in Christ because we were chosen by God. John wrote in the Revelation that, that we who have our names written in the Lamb's book of life were chosen by God. Why? Because that we would be a people who praise him forever. That's the because, not because there was anything about us. It, the, the words here are that we would be a people holy and blameless. That means that we would be a people set apart and undefiled, that we would be a people set apart and unblemished. God set us apart to live lives that are recognized, that recognizably belong to him, that we would be a people that people would go, there's something different about them. There's, there's something about them that's different. What is it? And the answer is that, that we are a people who've been transformed because we have Christ in us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are in Christ. And because of that, we are different than people who aren't in Christ. Now, he begins with this idea. It's, it's really fascinating to me because um, we often, and as we went through the book of Genesis, you'll remember, we, we began in creation. And and. Often, as we unpack the, the story of Scripture, it begins with God created and God created everything perfect, and then people jacked it up, and then God had to fix it. And that's the way we think of God's story. And so God sent Jesus because human beings jacked it up, and he had to fix it. That is not the way Paul saw it. It's not the way he views it. In fact, he, he's talking to us, and when he says, before the foundation of the world, he chose you that you would be a people set apart for his purpose forever. He's saying, before the very beginning of creation, God already had a plan, and it included the saints. He had it in mind already. It was like, okay, I got a plan. And then creation before the first sin corrupted creation, God knew what he was doing. This is mind-blowing. How all this works, I don't know. I just know that Paul believed in it, and it's what Ephesians teaches, that it teaches us that, that it wasn't some plan B. Like God's like, oh, man, 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 I got to fix this human beings. Can you believe that they did this? Now I got to fix it. And fix no, from the very beginning, he had a plan that, that had a name, and his name was Jesus. And what does this do to us? It gives us greater confidence. This inspires us to go, wow, it's far bigger. The good news of Jesus is far bigger than, oh, I guess God had to fix. No. From before creation, he chose everyone who has life in Christ. Now, some of you, I'm using this word so much, you're getting uncomfortable because you have chosen damage. In your world. Anybody have chosen damage? Here's what I mean. You're on the playground. It's time to uh, pick for kickball. They're picking teams. 
How many of you got chosen damage because you're like, oh man, I was at the bottom. <laughs> I was at the bottom rung of that. How many of you have church chosen damage? You come out of a, a church tradition that was really hard at, you know, one, one view of uh, being chosen, predestination, that you were come out of a church background that if you didn't believe in a certain way about the way this all worked, that, that if you didn't believe in, in a very hard uh, predestination view or a very hard free will view, that, that you were looked down upon. We have chosen damage. And so when we start using this word, it can make us a little bit uncomfortable. And we're going to talk about that when we come to the end. We're going to talk about how do these things work together? How does the the election of God that we would be in in relationship with him and free will to, to choose to follow him? How does that work? We're going to talk about that for a second. What we see here, though, is because of God's action, there's only one logical response. And it's the theme that plays out from the opening of the sentence and three more times. It's that we would be a people who praise God. Now, when we're, when we're going through Ephesians, you were encouraged this week. I hope you did it. I hope that you listened to this letter. Um, I, I was talking to somebody, and I was like, yeah, I hope, I hope you do that. I hope you listen. They're like, I'm not listening. I'm like, oh, really? Tell me about that. Well, I, I read. I don't listen. I'm like, oh, well, that's fine. You do you. Man, you do it your way. That's cool. Whatever. And then, and then they were intrigued. And they're like, okay, well, why would I listen? I'm like, to do it different. You just said you always read it. Why don't you change it up a little bit and listen to it? And listen to it in the context that this is, this is a letter that he's written to we. God, God has written a letter to us as his people. And listen, listen like you're in a, in a room that's filled with people. And then we were, we were in sermon meeting this week, and um, somebody said, you know what, I really, have a, I, have really, I really have a hard time listening to it because I end up just on one theme. I'll just get one theme. I'll listen to the whole letter, and I just get one thing through it. I'm like, you get it. You got it. Hey, that's what we encourage you to do this week, to listen to the whole letter and to come up with a theme. What was the thing? What, because we can't handle 65 things. We can handle things like one thing at a time. And God knows that about us. And so as you listen to the whole letter, what was the theme? What did you hear? And was it the same today they heard yesterday? What is God saying to you as you listen through the whole thing? It's not about like, hey, do I understand everything about the letter? No, that's why we go back now and we're going to break it into the parts and we're going to focus in. And so this week, you're going to have an opportunity to focus in on each each little part, and then go back and listen to the whole so that by the time we get done with this series, that you'll listen to the whole letter at least 10 times. Now, some of you, you listen to it 10 times this week. You don't get an A. I'm sorry. We want to encourage you to still listen to it one time a week for the rest of this series. Why? So that you would be super, super familiar with this letter. Why? Why are we encouraging you to be super familiar? Because this describes the life of following Christ. This is our story. This is our collective story. And what? What has God given us? He's given us a new identity that is in Christ so that we would be a people who praise him forever. In verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. 
the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. If you underline, highlight, underline, to unite all things in him. Go back, say, you could, you could maybe underline, to his purpose, he set forth in Christ to unite all things in him. This is it. Like, this is it right here. And what we end up doing is because we want to read, man, where do I fit in this story? What's God say about me? What, what's he saying right here? We focus in on, on, oh, wow, that we have redemption. Is that important? Yes. It's absolutely important. Do we have forgiveness? Yeah. And we'll talk about that briefly. Yeah. We, we've been bought by Christ, but like we're forgiven in Christ. It's, it's only because of what Jesus has done that we can be in right relationship of Christ. But the point is that it was for Jesus's purpose set for, I mean, God's purpose set forth in Jesus to unite all things in Christ. Like, like you've been given all the stuff so that you would be united in Christ. Jesus has united us forever. This is a theme that's going to play throughout this entire letter. The fact that we are united in Christ. Unity is not something that we have to achieve. It's something that we have to recognize. It's something we have to open our eyes to. It's something that is already existing, that we are united in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only thing we do is mess it up. The only thing that you can do to unity is get in the way. You can't make it happen. It already exists in Christ. We are united in Christ. The only thing we can do is open our eyes to reality. And that's it. Okay, we can't become more united. God, make us more united. You can't get any more united than being in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to, like, make us more united. No, we are united. Open our eyes to the unity that exists in Christ. And Paul wants us to know, as I already said, Jesus isn't plan B. Jesus isn't plan B. Jesus is the original plan. At the fullness of time, that all things, things in heaven and things on earth, that would they be, would be joined. You see, God's original plan was to unite all things in Christ. Now, Paul's used this phrase um, so far. That he talks about being in the heavenly places, that everything that, that we've experienced is in the heavenly places. We did a series uh, back in December where we were talking about heaven. And so is this talking about the heaven that we were talking about back in December? And what we talked about is that there's a current heaven that where, where people go to be in God's presence, in the presence of Jesus himself and the other saints who've died in Christ, that the, all those who are in Christ, that they are in Jesus's presence currently. That's the current heaven. It's not the forever heaven. If, if you... If, if that's the first time you've ever heard it, go back and watch all of December. I want to encourage you because it's super encouraging that, that there is a forever heaven called the resurrected heavens and earth, that there is a new heaven and a new earth where we will spend forever and that someday in the future, very, very encouraging. I want to encourage you to go check that out. That is not what we're talking about here. 
What we're talking about here is in the heavenly places. Paul's talking about in the Greek mind that there's a, there's a heavenly realm. And that's a whole long description to talk about three levels of heaven and all that blows my mind. But, but it's this idea that there's a spiritual realm and everything that we're experiencing in Christ is in the spiritual realm. That, that what we're experiencing, we could basically say that, that all of God's plan is summed up in Christ. And that means that we're getting just a little taste today of what it looks like forever, as we're going to see here in a second. So what's our response? The fact that you were chosen by God, that you were set apart, that you were, you were been united in Christ, our only logical response can be, first of all, praise God. Praise God. God has given us our new identity in Christ so we would praise him forever. It's what you were made for. You'll hear people talk about that. Like you were made, we could use the word worship. In fact, um, if, if you're a John Piper fan, he talks about when it comes to missions, his whole thing about why do we, why do we go into the world and proclaim Christ? Why are we on mission and in missions around the world? Why do we do that? And be like, oh, wow, so people can get saved. Nope, it's so that people would become worshipers of the one true God. That they would finally get in line with God's plan and that they would worship God forever. That's why missions exist. It's why we exist as a church, as we're going to see here in Ephesians, that we would be a people declaring the glory of God today and forever. Picking up in verse 13, it says, In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Here we see that it's the Holy Spirit who makes our new identity real. It's the Holy Spirit who, who helps us to realize our new identity in Christ. It uses a couple phrases here. One is that, that we are sealed, and that shows that we belong. It's a, it's a mark of possession, that we belong to God. Last week we talked about, even in that word, word saints, it's this idea of that we are God's unique possession as we look to the Old Testament, that, that we are God's personal property. Now, some of you, that starts messing with your mind. I don't want to be the personal property of anybody. It's incredibly encouraging that we are the personal property of God. He's got you. You might have nothing figured out. He's like, that's okay. I got you. I have you. You belong to me. And that Holy Spirit brings that into our heart. And the other thing that the Holy Spirit does is he functions as our guarantee, it says. Now, if you have the ESV, it's got a little, uh, little translation note as you look down there. Uh, and it says that, that, okay, you could say that or you could possibly say it another way. He's the down payment. That's actually a better translation. He's the first installment. So sometimes people use wedding rings as kind of like the symbol. Like, okay, you've been sealed and marked and, and that you've been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. And they be like, it's kind of like your wedding ring. And that, that illustration kind of breaks down because it's more the idea of um, the, the, a down payment on a house. That's a better illustration. That, that you're going to buy the house. You're, you're, you're going to make that happen. That's something that's going to happen. And in order to buy that house, you're putting down a down payment. You're making a first 
payment that will one day be paid in full. That's, that's the metaphor that Paul's using here. That the Holy Spirit is the first payment that you've received of what you're going to receive forever. And that means that, that we are experiencing a taste of forever today. You've been given the Holy Spirit in order that you would know that you belong to Jesus and that you would experience a taste of what it means to live in right relationship with God forever. But it's also just a taste. It's also just, just a little bit. It's not what it's fully going to be like, but you have today the Holy Spirit indwelling you in order that you would know that you know that you know that you belong to Jesus. So, so what is it? As we look at all the world religions out there, there's lots of options. What, what is one of the things that sets Christianity apart from all other world religions? And there's a few things, but one of the, one of the big ones is... That, that following Jesus is the only one of all the world religions where you could say that you know, that you know, that you know, that you belong to God. They, they, whatever, whatever any other religion calls heaven, the only one that you can say, I will spend forever in God's presence is Christianity. And it's because of this very thing that we see here, because you've been given the indwelling Holy Spirit, that you've been marked that you belong to God, and the Holy Spirit brings affirmation, confirmation into your spiritual part of you, into your inner being, so that when you ask the question, God, do I belong to you? You get this thing that runs through your mind that says, yes, I do that sometimes. Still to this day, God, do I really belong to you? And, and here's what comes to my mind. Yes, you belong to me. Is that me making it up or is that the Spirit? in me. I believe that is the spirit in me, that it's the Holy Spirit bringing affirmation and confirmation. Some days I'm like, God, am I wasting my life? I'm telling people, like I get up there, I'm like yelling at people, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is this a waste of time? And you know what he says to me? Not a waste of time. Not a waste of time. Man, what more is there? What else is there? If you have everything in Christ, I'm like, yep, that's true. What else could there be than to point people to Jesus? Now, we, we are getting a taste of what it is to live in right relationship with God, right relationship with other people. And in fact, in that series, we had people like, well, I get that, you know what, I should be living for forever. But also, man, there's some good stuff that happens today. And we're like, yeah, there's some great stuff that happens today. We get a taste of the great stuff forever today. But it's just a glimpse. It's just a taste. It's just a bit. As we experience joy in the midst of sorrow when that happens and we can't even describe why and, and when we come through really difficult times and we look back and we're like, how in the world did I ever get through that? I thought that would crumble me, that it would put me to the ground. I thought that would crush me, but it didn't crush me. I'm still here and I'm still following Jesus. What's the mark? You have the Holy Spirit that's been given to you to empower your life that you would have a taste of what it means to, to, to be a person who's praising God forever. Now, as you, as you jump in this week, we're gonna encourage you to keep going in the Live It Out. And um, each week, we're gonna give you some guidelines for reading Ephesians. And here are the guidelines for this week. Remember this, that this letter is for us, not to us. This letter is for us, not to us. 
and I'm going to give you one that's not written down there. Allow the parts of this letter that are about Paul to be about Paul. This is just good Bible interpretation. Allow the parts that are about Paul to be about Paul. This letter was written to a group of saints, a group of believers that were in a region in the first century in modern-day Turkey, and, and so it wasn't written to us, but it is for us, for those of us who have new life in Christ, who are living today, and there's principles that we can learn. But don't become Paul in the story, because just because Paul was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, that does not mean that you are an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And as you listen, when you come to Friday and you listen, when Paul says, this is who I am, don't read yourself into who Paul is. And you can take this forward to every single one of Paul's letters and you will read them differently. Allow what he's writing about himself to be about him. Now, another good principle is allow what is clear to guide your understanding. Allow clarity to guide your understanding. When things are confusing, don't, don't be overwhelmed by the confusion. And the third one goes with this. Don't allow the details to obscure the point. In this long rambling sentence, the details can obscure the point. This is why we chose this weekend to give you this principle. Because you can lose, right? You can definitely lose the forest for the trees when all of a sudden all these words start coming at you. It makes you go, okay, well, wait, 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 wait. I can't listen anymore. I got to figure out this idea. What's this about predestination or election? And what's this about free will? And so we're going to talk about that for a second. What's this mean that, that, that God has chosen us? And I thought that I had to make a decision to follow Jesus. What, how do these th two things work together? Now, I'm going to tell you, this is an incredible big debate that's been going on for 2,000 years. And in the next two minutes, I'm not going to solve it. <laughs> Some of you are going to be disappointed. Just setting you up for disappointment right here. I'm not going to solve it. And guess what? The reason I'm not going to solve it is Paul does not solve it. I just want to go with what's in the text here. In, in fact, this week, man, I had, I had some stuff, and I was, like, fired up, and I had, like, looked ahead, and I thought, you know what? I want to teach about a principle, and, and one of the things that I try and do every week is try, how do I make it personal? How do I make it personal? How do we make this that you would walk out of the room? Because we are so consumed as a culture with me, my, I, that every week, it's like, hey, what, what is my identity in Christ? What is my identity in Christ? And I'm like, you know what? I cannot do it. We wanted to start you there and work you to what is our identity in Christ over time. And I'm like, I can't do it. It's just not in this text. This is who we are. And in the same way, you know what? I was like, you know, all week I was asking, I was asking people like, okay, what, how, how do I handle this? How do I handle election? How do I handle free will? When Paul says they're both a thing in this one long rambling sentence. He points to them both multiple times. He talks about that you were chosen in Christ, that you were predestined, that you would have life in Christ. And then in verse 13, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So Paul holds these two things in tension. He says, you were chosen and you believed. 
So which is it? Election or free will? And, and this is the great debate. Which is it? What's your view? What's your view? I'm going to give you my view. Yes, that's my view. And I know there's somebody who's really disappointed right now going, no, you can't do that. You got to choose a side. No, you don't. Paul doesn't choose a side. Stop overthinking it. Stop. Allow the truth of the word of God to be like, well, how am I, how, how do I allow this truth to amaze me? Before the world began, God chose me to be in relationship with him through Christ. Wow. And at the same time, I had to choose to believe that truth. It's called an antinomy. If you're wondering, like, how does that thing work? And and here's here's what an antinomy is. If you come out of like a philosophy background, you're familiar. If you don't, you're like, that may be a word I've never heard before. It's, It's an apparent contradiction, okay? It's a contradiction between two apparently equally valid principles it's, it's a fundamental or apparently unresolved conflict or contradiction. You have two things that couldn't both possibly be true. I'm going to give you one example of an antinomy, and that is if you make the statement that says this, there is no such thing as absolute truth. That's an antinomy. Anybody who makes that statement, you just declared an absolute truth. That's an antinomy, right? Like, oh, wow, that doesn't make sense in logic. You can't make the statement. That's an illogical statement. It's illogical that God would choose you and you have to believe. But that's what Paul says. He chose you. And you have to believe. And that develops a sense of all that requires us to praise. It inspires our praise. And so rather than getting knocked down in this, look at the theme. That then in verse three, it's, it's talking about praising God, that, that it's walking us through this entire passage. It's, it's going over and over and over again. It's laying out the case that we would be a people who praise God. Verse three, verse six, verse 12, right? That, that we would be a people who praise God. Verse 14, that we would be a people who praise God. Our only logical response is that we are a people chosen to be in relationship with God when we believed and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit in order that we would praise God forever. Man, guys, that means there's stuff for us to do. We're gonna see there's stuff for us to do. He has stuff, and I'm, I'm not, yeah, he's got stuff for you, but he's got stuff for the we. He's got stuff for us to join in. He's got stuff for us to give our lives to. So as we look at next steps this week, what we're asking you to do is to engage. Are we asking you to engage and to live it out? Yes, and, and here's what we're asking you to do. Go through each day. It's, it's gonna focus you in, and then when you come to the end of the week, it's gonna take you through review. And, and I started using it on my phone. We have it for the first time this week. It's up online. You can, you can go to 2rc.tv slash live it out, and, and it's just all right there, super easy. If there's an audio to listen to, you can just click it and listen to it. We've tried to make it as simple as we could, but, but it's also something that's going to be something that we are doing together. You could have a conversation with another person who calls Two Rivers their church home. I want to encourage you, ask them, ask somebody, hey, hey today, we did it in our staff meeting uh, this week, like, okay, if, if you show up at a meeting 
At Two Rivers Church, you should ask somebody in the room, hey, what's something God showed you this week through the Live It Out? You should ask each other. This is something that we should do together. And when you show up in your group, you should ask each other, hey, what's something that God showed you this week in the Live It Out? Hey, on Tuesday, when you did, what, what is something God showed you? Hey, when you, when you went back through and you, you listened to it this week at four times and you had, or, or, on the five, or the fifth time, you're supposed to be like, okay, am I still hearing the same theme as it was on Monday? What, did, you get, did you get that? It's something that we can do together. What else can we do together? We can participate. We are united in Christ and we can participate in things together. This week, you have an opportunity to join in all in prayer. All of our campuses, this Wednesday, we have an opportunity to join in all in prayer. And, and all in, we're, we're asking that it would be all in. And what is that prayer going to be about? About praying our vision into reality. So we would love for every one of our campuses this Wednesday to be packed with Two Rivers Church joining together, declaring God's praise and crying out to him that he would, that he would bring his vision for us into reality in the region in which we live. Here on Harrison Lane, it would be amazing if we had to overflow out of this venue into other venues. That would be amazing. That's, that's our desire. Why? There's stuff that we can do together because we are united in Christ. Serve Saturday. The link is up. It's live. It, it, it's an opportunity for you on the first weekend of February to, to be in the community for us to join together with other organizations to go out. And, and sometimes in order to make Jesus real, organizations just need people power, right? They just need somebody to show up in relationship. And so you, you're going to become the, the people power behind maybe what another ministry is up to. What an incredible gift as we look at partnering across the entire region to make an impact for the kingdom of God, that, that we would be a people that are actively in the community. And so you can go ahead and sign up at 2rc.tv slash serve Saturday. But right now, what's the only logical response? What's the only logical response? Praise, Praise God. That's it. And so that's what we're going to do. All of our venues right now, what we're going to do is we're going to praise God. So I'm going to invite you every venue, go ahead and jump to your feet. God, we are so amazed with the truth that you have chosen us to be a people set apart, that we would believe in Christ, to be sealed by your very presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have joined us in Christ. And we declare your praise for that right now in Jesus' name.